Welcome to our podcast series. I'm Hazel Stutely, C2 Founder and Program Director. C2 is based on a very simple concept that we discovered back in the 90s, which works as well today as it did back then. We simply bring together the people who work in an area, typically police, health and housing frontline workers, with those people who live there to work together as equals, forming a mutually problem-solving, resident-led partnership with just one goal, to make their community a great place in which to live and work. These partnerships are not only powerful, but they stand the test of time because they are self-renewing, with many still going strong into their second operational decade. In this series, we've captured the inspirational voices of residents and providers separately and together as they tell their stories of how the C2 seven-step pathway to partnerships not only worked for them and their communities, but carries on working with amazing and transformative results. In this episode, we hear from Dr. Jonathan Steed. He's a retired GP who works with Connecting Communities. I first met Hazel, I think, in 2000, possibly two, in um, in Edinburgh. Strangely, at a, a conference, uh, it was a, a Institute of Healthcare Improvement conference, and Hazel was giving a plenary session uh, about the Beacon project. Um, it was a huge auditorium, and she was obviously very nervous. Um, I was in the audience and I enjoyed her presentation, but it made me think about why what she had done um, sort of worked. And uh, afterwards, I found her in the corridor and sort of say, look, I think we ought to have a chat further and introduce myself, really. Um, and I did follow it up. We met down in Cornwall. Um, I, at the time, I was working for a health authority that looked after the southwest. So it, I did have a role in, you know, wider than just my general practice. So I went, I went along. We had a chat, and uh, I, subsequent to that chat, I introduced, I asked her to come to a workshop that I was running, which was on complexity theory. Um, this was a, a link to the University of Exeter, and I introduced her to my research colleagues uh, who I'd been beginning to think about complexity theory and healthcare improvement. And, and really, as a result of making all those links, uh, we sat down and did the research and then developed the program, which is now Connecting Communities. We find working in communities that a key to getting transformation is developing new relationships. And in essence, what I was doing in that last story is talking about a whole series of new relationships, which actually brought connecting communities to life. Having new conversations and a, and a better quality of conversations and listening better is really, I think, the key to what we do. So from a, a health perspective, what changes have you seen then? Um Changes of mortality and things like that, mortality rates, they take such a long time, they don't come through. But you can see people feeling better about themselves, 
uh, being more on the front foot. Uh, it, it, some of the pieces of work that we've done, we know that we make a difference to people's mental health. Uh, um, and I'm sure that through our new website, there's a very good link to some work done in East Kent about uh, a, uh, a project in a little wood where they actually, the community takes it over and it uh, becomes a very tranquil, very healing place. But it's all because of what they do there. It's they do it for themselves. And this is a theme that we're hearing over and over again. It's the doing it for yourself and being given that power and empowerment to, to be able to do that. Yes. What interests me is how professionals handle that because it's not really how they've been trained. They have to essentially unlearn the fact that it's okay not to do to people all the time. It, it's a, the clever trick is how do you create an environment in which the uh, residents themselves can make the changes? Because if they do that, then those changes are sustained. Anything done externally it doesn't get sustained. It just becomes yet another project which fails when the money runs out. I'm not the, the greatest theorist, but I sort of understand it as a way of understanding systems and we look at communities as a complex adaptive system rather than a machine if you think of it as a machine and you do things to it and you you know crank it up or you know set something in motion almost certainly it won't work in a community because communities are made up of human beings who are so diverse who are having lots of conversations the whole time it doesn't work and you can see external projects do not in general work and that is because traditionally we have treated communities as mechanistic whereas if you see them as complex adaptive systems you can actually become part of that system if you're a professional if your health visitor like hazel she's within that community so she can begin to have lots of conversations and good ideas and help them to develop so that is a um, uh, that's the key difference of seeing the, the world through a complexity lens is we see complex adaptive systems, whereas if you're in the mechanistic world, uh, you just see things as uh, linear and predictable. And in fact, it's not like that at all. It's all nonlinear and totally unpredictable. And this is a struggle if you are in organizations that have hierarchies that expect outcomes and or perhaps you're asking you know putting in a grant for some money what are going to be the outcomes from this project and we said actually um, we know it's going to be good but we're not quite sure <laughs> and uh, of course that's really tough what you can do is you, you you can you can guarantee that you can put in place a process out of which an improvement will come but we don't know quite what it's going to be because places are, you know, they thrive on their lo localism and their individualities. And so you don't really know that the kids in Camborne are going to ask to do some, you know, dance. I mean, they could just have easily have said something completely different, like a skateboard park or something else. But they actually said we want to dance. They were enabled by an enlightened police sergeant. 
not by anything to do with healthcare. And uh, but the trick that he pulled off is what the trick we ask other people to pull off is how do you create that uh, space that people can be creative together? And uh, he found a way to do it. You mentioned how sort of complexity theory and the whole sort of way of sort of saying to people, this is yours, you do it yourself, is actually a challenge for organisations. Is that something you've come up against yourself? Almost universally. When we get invited to do some work with people, the first thing that we do is ask to to speak to as senior people as possible. Because what, unless they understand what we're doing, it can be so easily derailed or blocked or, or, you know, at any stage. And therefore, we really do need the chief executive and the board to understand what we're trying to create is exciting it will make improvements some of them will be really quite quick which quite often surprises people but we say well within six months you will see the uh, antisocial behavior dropping and in fact it, you, it almost inevitably does but you do need to get senior people to really understand this is a different way of doing things and that's a challenge for them because they're often, certainly in the public sector, being line managed by you know, regional offices, departments, Department of Health. And, you know, it's all very political and uh, you've got to have results. And what we're saying actually does give results, but in a, in a, in sometimes in a surprisingly unexpected way. And that, that has to be managed. And uh, I have worked with a number of senior people who really get this and think it's really exciting and they sort of manage you know the reporting mechanisms and everything else as well as doing the more non-linear creative stuff which they begin to get very excited about so my my tip is to make sure don't miss out the step of, of speaking to senior people to they'll create the the sort of the the space for you and your fellow professionals to get in there and work alongside the you know, residents. So you've been working alongside the t- or with the team sort of like since for that best part of 20 years now. Yes. What, what changes have you seen? What sort of developments have you seen? And what's it been like for you? Well, it's been really exciting and fun and we... Uh, but it doesn't always lead to fantastic changes. We have had some failures from which we try to learn. Um, Hazel and I have been to Scotland. We have a number of exciting pieces of work in Scotland. We've been to Wales, but they haven't actually, they didn't actually lead to anything. And we've been to a number of sites throughout England. Many uh, seaside resorts because that's where austerity is really hit um, but all over the place um, one of, uh, there was a time that um, we got quite a lot of uh, Department of Health uh, contracts with uh, newly emerging commissioning groups some of those were really great others didn't really work and what we've learned is it's really, really important that we're invited in. We're not being imposed on somebody as like a sort of you know remedial class, um, because that never works. 
it's got to be a pull rather than a push. And that I, I, just, I suppose that's a big lesson. We've, we've learned there's a sort of timeliness as well about the intervention. Some places, you know, they really, really want you and they're just on the cusp of doing exciting things. And we know that will work. Other places, but more slow burn. And sometimes it takes up to a year to be prepared. And then you come in. Uh, so you need flexibility and you need to understand where you're going to be working. And that really needs a, a visit. And that's the only way and do a sort of like a walkabout and get a real feel for the issues. Going back to a bit of the, the complexity theory stuff, when you start saying to people, you've got to stop treating communities like a, a machine, you've got to understand that you might want it to go in a linear fashion, that A plus B is going to equal C. How do people react to to that kind of, that lesson, that, that learning, that, that understanding? Because we're engaging with people face to face and uh, you take it slowly. I mean, we don't hit them, you know, with, you know, theory straight away. And that usually comes in uh, when, when we, we've made the initial contact, we've perhaps had a few meetings, and then we get their team of uh, residents and professionals who come together to a one of our learning workshops and it's the, that's either a two or a three day workshop and within that we 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 really introduce the complexity theory um and usually it's done by my colleagues from the university of exeter who are very very good at it um and people get get it quite quickly because we we sort of show you know the, the the two paradigms of you know the mechanistic and the more organic one um by use of videos and other, other techniques we 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 don't go too heavy on the on the on the theory or giving a reading list of books on complexity unless be but some people get really hooked on it and really really love it because it, it does sort of make sense to the way that they're now wanting to work which is quite exciting because people, uh, once they are sort of liberated in a way to working like this, suddenly, you know, we've seen people who've actually said, you know, I really enjoy my job so much more than I did. You know, I feel better about it. I, you know, I'm not so hassled. I know I, I, I feel good about this way of working, which I, I think, for you know, if you've got a stressed workforce, you know, you, you, you're quite – to find something like that is really quite exciting. To finally get that understanding of going, oh, so this is why it hasn't worked. This yeah. is how it can work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I think that people feel often revitalised by it. Um, and I, I've often sort of said, you know, this needs to be in undergraduate courses. It needs to be in, you know, as a way of working and an understanding, it really needs to be more widespread as, you know, so we're not training up the wrong kind of professionals, you know, who are just going to be, you know, more and more mechanistic. That, I, I think that's a big challenge and I don't actually think we're addressing that sufficiently. So certainly when people are sort of coming on and doing doing the learning, doing, this, doing the C2 learning, they're not going to be bombed bombarded with lots of complex complexity theory yeah, or anything yeah, like that they don't need to worry it's it's very it's very uh, low, low low key 
and uh, yeah, it's 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 not it's not too technical. But when when, um, when we're running learning programs, we quite often have people from two, three, four different communities in the same room. And again, that's really interesting because what they're doing is creating relationships between themselves. Um, and, you know, they share their successes and failures as well, which is great. Um, one thing we haven't talked about is the notion of exchange visits. Now, they're really very important to connecting communities um, because you get a team of people going to a particular place, which perhaps is slightly further on, and they sort of see what they've achieved and say, wow, you did that. Yeah, we, we want to do that. And they always tag on and better, you know. But so you got to, uh, and that's really fantastic to see. And some of the, uh, some of the exchange visits, uh, you know, they inevitably need um, a bit of, you know, a bit of travel, which is like organisationally challenging. But you know, they go in a coach or a minibus down to a particular place and spend the day there, and they just get so much out of it. I mean, this is professionals as well as, you know, residents. So that that's sort of, you know, that that's in some ways that's the most exciting bit of the whole thing to actually observe or witness you know people really being lit up you know and hazel's very good at that you've almost um stolen the thunder from my last question (laughs) or my next question because i was gonna say what's what's been like your 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 highlight if there's just one particular point or one moment that you were just like well this is exactly why we're doing what we're doing I think probably because I've been observing them for such a long time, I would probably come to the sort of the TL14ers, the stance group, you know, which has kept going, even though it's had many travails along the way. But what it showed, and having been there all right at the very, very beginning and going to some of the first workshops, and, and they were electric. You know, they, 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 were, they were absolutely fantastic. You know, you stand at the back and they, it, it was really moving, you know, really, really moving to see these kids who prior to this had been really, you know, I mean, they were there because they, they probably were, were on the radar of the police, local police teams. And uh, I remember speaking to a, a, one of the teachers from the school popped in and was watching this and was amazed and said, these are the kids we don't see. <laughs> and uh, But just w- watching them, I know that so many of the children have gone on to, well, first of all, attend school, actually pass exams, and in some cases actually go to university, which would never have happened if it wasn't for the dance group. I, I am absolutely convinced of that. So to see, you know, the, this generation of kids having a world of possibilities opened up for them through this dance group, I, th- I think is an extraordinary, extraordinary achievement. And uh, the people behind it and the kids themselves need an awful big pat on the back. Uh, that, that, to me, I think is probably the best legacy. I just think it's absolutely amazing. I keep hearing about the, the Camborne dancers mm. and just mm. the difference that something like that 
can make to and it's not just one life it it might be one life for now but actually that's going to have a knock-on on everybody else involved mm. in mm. their life as well and you think that that huge knock-on effect is massive yeah. isn't it yes it is because in fact um i mean th- this was in a in Campbell where there's like second generation unemployment you know and in real and this all started before the austerity of 2008 so you can imagine that life isn't any 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 easier but the kids um they started eating better and taking more exercise not smoking so much and they, they began to educate within their own homes as well so to have an influence of, of how, how other people were behaving and that that was extraordinary because it, it, there was some locked in behaviors in Campbell undoubtedly and it needed something like this to actually jolt the system and it certainly did what's fascinating and going back to complex adaptive systems is this the, there was never a, there was never a business plan for this it is all totally emergent and we love that we love that but of course that you know if you're trying to replicate this you know how can we do this you know another t or 14 is in you know somewhere else and the answer is you can't but you can you can create some space that creativity and uh, you know something will happen but you know but we don't know what and don't try and replicate exactly what it is because it, it, it won't look the same or feel the same. You know, the, this, this is uniquely relating to, you know, to, to, to Campbell. But, you know we, do know, we do know something about how to put processes in place that can enable something to happen.